WKWZ. Syosset. Welcome back to another edition of Agree to Disagree, your weekly Friday night sports show on WKWZ 88.5 FM. I'm your host, Sammy Sherry, alongside my partners, Cole Nevins and Mihir Ved. And we have you covered on the latest and greatest in sports for the next hour of your evening. Cole and Mihir, how are we today? Sammy, you got me absolutely pumped up for this show. Um, I guess we definitely have to mention right off the bat that we're pre-recording the show on a Thursday night right now, ahead of Friday, where it's going to air live for the first time on WKWZ 88.5. And what is the reason for that? Well, me here and I have just started our varsity soccer season, and the schedule's getting kind of hectic, but in this time, we always find ways to improvise, especially at the station. Shout out to um, Salone Mijas. He's on the other show. It was actually his idea. We were in the room discussing ideas of how to record the show. Uh, you know, we were not going to have the time on Fridays anymore. And he said, you know what? He had the light bulb go across his head. And he said, why don't you guys pre-record on Thursday nights? I said, that's a perfect idea. And that's exactly what we're doing. And we bring on a new guest today. So Mihir, go introduce yourself to the airwaves. All right, everyone. I'm Mihir Ved. This is my first official show with Sammy and Cole on the WKWZ network. I'm really excited. We've done a show before. It wasn't official, but I'm finally a part of the station. And I'm sure we're going to have some great and intellectual conversations here for the next year and a half. So yeah, me here. Why don't we also share that it took you two years of, or over two years of procrastination to join the <laughs> station. Just a quick story time when we have the, you know, the time to talk about it. I joined my freshman year. I actually went to a training session for the radio with me here in the second month of my freshman year. Mihir's like, I'm going to finish it off. Don't worry. I finished mine off within a month. Mihir finishes in a week, except he did that, this, I think, what, two weeks ago or last week? <laughs> yep. After waiting for two years, procrastinating for two years to do it, and he finally got it done. But hey, here we are. Yes, unfortunately, that's on me. But now we're here. <laughs> Sherry, once again, you got us pumped up for the show. Let's get it going. You know, Mahir, we're very happy to have you adding a little more flavor to this show. You know, I don't think we're a little low on the flavor, but, you know, <laughs> it could never hurt to add a little more. So, you know, I think that's a great transition, Cole. So you have been currently doing some research on our school sports. So could you give us a bit of update of what's happening on that front? Yeah, and for the students listening from Sassan High School right now, make sure your teachers are turning on the cameras on Friday, second period in your Google Meets bi-weekly sports desk. Hopefully we'll add in some more as we're getting more people to join the station that are interested in covering school sports. But that's in full effect this year. We're getting some broadcasts going soon. But let's kind of highlight quickly before we get into our baseball talk, what's going on with the Sayasa Braves right now. The girls' soccer team is already 2-0. and They played two games already and won both of them. The boys' soccer team, unfortunately, tonight, we took a one nothing loss to Massapequa. We're going to bounce back next week, hopefully get some big wins in that column, three points up on the board. Um, volleyball is underway for the boys and girls, both some both very strong teams historically for Syosset High School. Girls tennis, not boys, but girls tennis, another awesome program, is going to be starting up um, in March and April. And boys golf, uh, another program that has had really high successes over the past few years. 
no, I went and did um the month in review, February in review from the shortened season. And it was like, I wasn't reporting a single mm-hmm. loss. I don't think a single, I think the only team that lost in February was the wrestling team. And they still went like four and two in the year. So, you know, Braves lead the way. What more can I say? Cole, yes, we're hoping the Braves could continue their success this year and hopefully when normalcy transpires again and they continue to have success then. So I think that's a perfect transition now to get into our baseball, our MLB. So some states have more lavish restrictions than others. And recently where the Texas Rangers play, Globe Life Field, they've their new stadium, I might add, I believe this will be their second year playing there now. They are going to allow 100% capacity. Everybody will still be, it will still be mandatory to wear masks, but now they're going to do 100% capacity. And what are your thoughts on this? Do you think this is very reckless as many still have not had their vaccines yet? And what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, it's Texas. And how could we possibly be surprised by this? I mean, they're already done with the masks. I think they had mass burning ceremonies down there. They're going all out. But just because they're saying it's going to be 100% capacity, I truly believe, look, I'm, I'm not in the Texas Rangers organization, but I, it would be hard to believe that they're going to get 48,000 people on opening day. I don't think that's going to happen. And I also don't trust that every single fan is going to be wearing their mask correctly. But I will say this. It really does stink for some of the fans that want to be there at the games, socially distant, like how they are at all these other stadiums. And they are at risk of some of the reckless people, unfortunately, that are just all across not only the United States, but the world that don't wear their mask correctly. And they're at risk. You want to go enjoy the ball game with your family and you have to take a risk to go to this game now instead of being safe. So it's unfortunate. And of course, if you wear the mask, you have the vaccine. It definitely helps. But For some of the common fans, this is going to be a huge inconvenience. So we're really going to have to see how this pans out. You know, my first reactions when seeing this news come out a couple days ago, I was shocked. And of course, all three of us can attest to this. We all want as many fans possible at sporting events as soon as possible. But it just seems way too premature. And at Texas, like you said, Cole, we shouldn't be surprised. They've gotten rid of the mask mandates. And something I'm not sure about, and I'm assuming they won't have, is do fans need COVID tests to enter the stadium like we have in New York? It's a good I'm question. Not sure about that. I'm sure. Because you bring up a good point, Cole. I'm not sure if they're going to reach 100% capacity in the first place. Because once again, like Sammy said, it's a brand new stadium, large capacity, like 50,000. Um, I heard there's going to be socially distant sections if that helps comfort anyone. But, but how is that hundred percent? I I don't know. It I, isn't. It's really confusing. It's <laughs> is it false? Ad, it's false advertising. It is false advertising. <laughs> but it, it's it's shocking. I don't think it's should be happening yet. Maybe twenty five to forty percent, especially with a state like Texas that's so risk free. I guess, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I believe the capacity of the stadium at full capacity is 40,300. So you make a very good point. Let's say I'm a huge Yankee fan to here. If I were to go to a Yankee game, I don't think I'm comfortable going there with full capacity. I really would love to go to a Yankee game. I'm looking so forward to going to a Yankee-Red Sox rivalry game, even a Yankee-Mets Subway Series game as both teams are heating up. But the Mets are a story for another day, already having problems. But, you know, 
I think you raise a great point that I don't think we're going to see all 40,000 fans there on opening day. If they're lucky, I think they may get 20,000. I don't think they're going to reach 30 even. So that's a very good point. Sure, there's going to be the people who are irresponsible and reckless and who are going to go, but they're going to be your people who want to stay safe and they may just not go to the stadium. And for the Rangers organization, at the end of the day, they need to make money. You open up this brand new stadium and no fans in the first season, except for the World Series games that were hosted there and, and the championship series games. So for the Rangers aspect, of course, you want to have fans back, but they, they're, they're looking at the business side of things. They need some money and Texas being so open to stuff during COVID, this will help their cause. Yeah, has, have any of you guys heard any news about players being vaccinated? I haven't heard anything so far across all nope. sports. I mean, for NBA, I know Adam Silver was saying he's not going to force players to get vaccinated. I actually heard news that came out earlier today. Oh, for the Olympics this upcoming summer, I think they're planning on having Olympians vaccinated before the games start. Obviously, that makes sense. You have players coming from all over the world. I mean, athletes, sorry coming from all over the world. So it makes sense if they can get vaccinated, get vaccinated. We'll see how that all plans out. That's a whole different complicated story. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. We're going to have to see and what transpires there with the vaccines. And if certain players get it as the players right now are not at the top of the list per se risk wise, at least in your age standards or health risks. So we're going to have to wait and see once there are more vaccines for the masses, what's going to happen with that, if it's going to be required or so on and so forth. Yeah, definitely a good point about that. And I mean, I guess it'll just be waiting and seeing. But hey, in New York, it's pretty safe to go right now. You know, Sammy, you've been to a few games yourself, not in New York yet, but you yes. went down in uh, in South Beach. Um, awesome. I, I'm hoping Two to, games, yes. I'm hoping to attend a, a game this year, whether it's the Mets, whether I go to the Bronx to go see the Yankees play with a, with a buddy of mine. Or, I mean, maybe we'll we'll set up something with the three of us. We can go watch a game together. Um, I mean, I want to see my Knicks play more than anything. I want to see my Rangers play as well. It's it's crazy, but, you know, I guess it's just the reality that we have to deal with. And let's hope that everything gets better. But, hey, we're on a positive trend right now. So, uh, Samuel, what's next on the agenda? All right. So, recently in the minor leagues, this season, there are going to be some new implemented changes. And I want to get your thoughts on if you could see this in the future in the majors or what exactly are your thoughts on these rules, if you like them all, if you like some of them, and what specifically. So, they're going to raise the inch size of the bases from 15 to 18 inches. So, that's the first rule. Next, they're going to have, they're going to ban extreme defensive shifts. So you're, that may help guys, let's say like Albert Pools, who really don't do good with the shift. And they're going to also limit two pickoffs attempts per plate appearance, so per batter. And they're also going to automate the strike zone, meaning it's not going to be done by an umpire, but a machine. So what are your thoughts on those rules? And if some you like, some you don't, or what are your thoughts on them? The, the one that jumps out at me, you, many people might say the automatic strike zone, but it's the banning of the extreme defensive shifts. I hate shifts in baseball. It just, especially with Joe Madden introducing it the past decade, it's ruined so many careers, honestly. Um, it's annoying to watch. As a, as a hitter, it's detrimental to statistics. Like, you think you have a base hit between first and second. Next thing you know, you have a shortstop in right field, fielding it, throwing it to first. It's annoying. I liked, and I also like in general that the MLB is using the minor leagues and these independent leagues to 
test and experiment with these new strategies to benefit our game potentially. But next up, the larger bases, I think that's a great idea because I think it was meant to prevent collisions and stuff like that. I It's not, in my opinion, that big of an effect yet. Obviously, you know, with sliding into bases, this and that, you might get into the base easier, quicker, that messes with things. But um, the automatic strike zone, here's my thing with the automatic strike zone. Of course, we argue every year, umpires suck, this and that. Taking away the human umpire takes away an entertainment that aspect of the game you get rid of arguments you get rid of ejections some umpires are so bad angel hernandez you're not gonna have anyone out there arguing anymore it's gonna you're an suck. umpire yourself right let's uh we'll talk about your experiences oh my my oh my umpiring experiences i don't know dealt with a bunch of fifth graders <laughs> had a bunch of them whine at me you know might not, be worse. Not, nothing the, too I think the parents anybody. the parents in the, oh. in the the elementary schoolers might be worse than the mlb players the coaches, yeah. not even the parents, the coaches think it's World Series Game 7 when realistically it's a Tuesday night in April. Kids have school the next day. <laughs> so <laughs> for the automatic strike zone, it's interesting. We'll see how that all works out. I know I saw it at a Long Island Ducks game a year and a half ago. It, it seemed pretty normal because the umpire's still there. They're just wearing an AirPod or something. It, it was weird. I don't know. We'll see how it all goes. But Cole, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to go down this list right now just like you did. Larger bases, anything to help. Uh, stop injuries and those and those and no, I'm not gonna say head to head because that's that's a football term. But you know, you know those collisions—they're definitely not fun. And look, in every sport, any way to prevent injuries and keep talent on the field—that's the best way to do it. So I'm I'm all in favor for that. Um, the extreme defensive shifts—I absolutely love it. And I'll give personal experience again. Look, I haven't oh played—I haven't played in the league since what fifth grade. But back back in my prime, you know. It would be, I'd be one of those kids. They go up and, oh, big hitter, everyone back up. <laughs> so the whole team, they put like four kids in the outfield, everyone be at the fence, and I'd like pop out to the center every time. It'd be, it would be so annoying. So from personal experience, I, I mean, I look, obviously a drastic uh, difference between that and the MLB, but <laughs> it, there was no more annoying feeling than like going up, you're confident, you're going to get a nice hit. And like they have five kids in the outfield waiting for it, and it's the most frustrating thing in the entire world. But what Mahir said, which I loved, was he said, this is essentially these extreme shifts in the chess game that has become of it has ruined multiple careers. And why ruin talent? You And the MLB, they're looking for more hitting, and that's what the youth generation wants, and you know, less pitchers duels. And to put this in and get the game flowing in a better way, I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, the pickoff attempts... Again, part of the game, they're annoying, irritating, whatever. I just don't Nothing see... Nothing major to me. I, I, a, these are... Yeah. This is the thing. I'll, I'll bring up a bigger point right now. I know, Sam, I'm stealing, I'm stealing your thunder right now. You're not used to being in this host role where, um, yeah. where we're, we're taking all your time. Um, with the pickoff attempts, and this is something that Manfred has and, and the MLB has kind of tried to like implement over the years in, the, in their effort to shorten games to take off these like 30 second to one minute intervals that I guess add up, it does nothing to the game. It does no not. one's, no one's not watching baseball because it's two hours and 45 minutes instead of three hours and five minutes. That's it. I think that's a, can you guys agree with me on that? I mean, yeah. I think and, it's a, and yeah. Don't get me started with Manfred. All right. That's just, a whole he's just a horrible topic. commissioner. It's flat out. He's, but he's more than that, not very good at his job. More <laughs> than that, you know, they can implement all these things, you know, the, the mound visits and the pitch clock, but the 20 to 30 seconds is not is exactly. I see you pointing your watch right now, but it's not killing anyone's time. 
that's the, that's the that's the reality of it. So again, and then just to cap it off, automatic strike zone. I'm a I'm a proponent of it. I don't like to see games unfairly lost to things that the players can't control. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of other human elements that they can put in with the mm-hmm. umpires, but why get it wrong? There've been plenty of times where days and, and, and careers and, and seasons have been ruined from, you know, opinions from the umpires. Perfect games have been ruined. So, <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, different situations. Max Scherzer that time on that uh, lean-tin pitch, remember, yeah. against there, the Pirates. There, there, you can go yeah. down an entire list, Sammy. There's so many examples, but that's my take on it. You know, you guys both brought up some very interesting takes. Uh, I guess I'm going to go down the list myself. The larger bases, definitely I think that's a very good idea. Uh, I'm really a big fan of a lot of these, but uh, the larger bases, I feel like, again, if you could bring player safety to the game, you must do that. That's just a a benefit. And going next, the ban of extreme defensive shifts. I absolutely love this in agreement with both of you. You can't, if if this rule is implemented in the majors eventually – you can't have one guy on one side of the field and everybody else on the other side in the infield. I mean, if you have one third baseman or one shortstop just hanging out on the left side of the field, putting everybody else on the right, it's it's virtually impossible for the left-handed hitter to hit not into a ground ball if it's on the ground. So they're very likely to get out. And as you guys both touched on, it's ruined careers. It's hurt guys a lot financially. And it really, I don't think it's good for baseball. So Big fan of that. And the limo, limit to two pickoff attempts per plate appearance, I have no problem with this rule. think it being implemented could be good. I mean, yes, Cole, I know you brought up those 20 minutes. Does that make a huge difference? I mean, when you think about it, it could in the grand scheme of things. I think it could definitely – 20 minutes is – you could do a lot of things in 20 minutes. And I think baseball, a lot of – the t- it's the time aspect. Everybody says, oh, baseball is too long. Nobody wants to sit that long for a game. Well, 20 minutes here, if they could trim with doing a few things, including this, only two pickoff attempts, then maybe they can implement some more rules and eventually bring that down to 30 or 40. And to address the last one, the automatic strike zone, I go back and forth on this one because you guys both raised great points about, yes, how guys like Bryce Harper get into fights with the umpire and it brings a spectacle to the game and people talk about it on ESPN. It brings baseball to the spotlight, which it could very well use. But again, it could also make teams lose or win games that maybe they shouldn't have and the human element is in play. So this would be taking the human element in play. So a little on the fence about that, but Cole, I, I think you have something else to follow up on. So, Yeah, no, we're, we're talking constantly about how baseball can appeal to the youth generation, how it could bring up its value again. Now, all we've been saying is that it's been sinking ever since everyone claimed as America's pastime, and now it's America's most boring sport. But the biggest problem, there's two big problems. One's a minor one, is that Baseball, and now we're actually experiencing this now that we're posting a lot of content on YouTube now. Baseball blocks all of that. That's not good. That's blocking younger kids who are using these platforms from experiencing these highlights, which is where all the magic comes from, which is where kids fall in love in the game with the game. From watching these home runs, these 450-foot bombs, these 102-mile-per-hour strikeouts, that's, that's the first point. The second point, which we've talked about multiple times, is it's still we're still lacking a, a face of baseball. That's the biggest thing. You want to appeal? Get a guy 
look, I know we, we have all this controversy about Trevor Bauer and everything, but he's a guy that has just at least brought some energy to the game, whether it's positive or negative, it's something. He's bringing attention. I agree. Definitely. Yeah, a guy like, let's say, Fernando Tatis. We don't know 100% sure if he's going to be the next guy who emerges out of the pack of the young guys. You have Tatis, you have Soto, you have Acuna. And who knows, there may be more guys to come who could be in this conversation after the torch is passed or Mike Trout. And don't get me wrong, the torch is still in Mike Trout's corner. He has not given it up yet, and I don't think he will, at least for a bit longer. We see what Tom Brady's doing in football and some other guys, LeBron James in basketball. So who knows how long Mike Trout could be Mike Trout for, but he's he just doesn't have that personality, and I don't think he honestly wants to be the face of baseball. He wants to go out there, play some baseball, have fun, make $40 million a year while doing it. And sure. And he wants to obviously win. The angels aren't doing a very good job of putting a team around him, but he just, he, he wants to play baseball, have fun and live his life. He's not into being on all the Pepsi commercials and McDonald's and all this. They need a guy like Ken Griffey jr. They need this generation's Ken Griffey jr. And Mike Trout personality wise, isn't that Bryce Harper, you could say is, but he's not at the, the height of, let's say, productivity that he was, let's say, in 2015 or 17 to where he could be that guy. So I think baseball needs to start investing in a younger generation guy, maybe like Fernando Tatis. for sure. And I think he's their guy. He's polarizing. He's definitely emphatic in the way he does things, and uh, I think he would be a great choice. Definitely. Definitely Tatis. Hopefully he carries a torch into the next generation. Brings up – the new age of baseball where the old heads are leaving the game and everyone's about swagger and confidence and personality. And maybe baseball can revive itself a little bit. And uh, Jerry, you got, you got something? Yeah, I completely agree. All right. Let's get it. All right. So I think this is a great transition. So Mahir being our, our new Host will, uh, or our new participant will now be doing the weather this instead is, of me. That's his title. So, that's his I'm title. Offended. I couldn't think of a better. I couldn't think of something better on the I spot. I mean, do you want to establish it right now? Is he? I is, am he offended. A, is he a co-host? Is he a a uh, co-host? A co-host. Co-host. But here, my apologies. I meant no. I had no meaning to offend <laughs> your title or your superiority <laughs> or inferiority in the group. Sammy, so I, I have, I have, seniori- I have seniority in this group, and I could strip you of your host role in one second. So, oh, you know, whoa. Cole, I, I did not choose to be the host. I was elected. I honestly get less <laughs> thoughts. I don't get to take his polarizing takes, which may or may not be a good thing because some of my takes aren't the greatest. <laughs> I think we could say that. Don't but, worry. You know, I was right on Josh Allen, so that makes up for all my bad football picks. But Mahir, getting back to the weather, what will the weather be looking like in Syosset, New York, over the next few days? We've got a decent weather uh, outlook for the weekend ahead. You know, tomorrow, as today, same, we're going to have a high of 61 with a low of 30. Saturday, we're going to have a high of 46, a little more chilly with a low of 36. And then Sunday, it's going to be a little windy, high of 52, low of 23. There's your outlook for the weather this weekend. Are you boys excited to get out here? There? Where's the enthusiasm taking over my role as the weatherman? I always <laughs> used to put my full effort in. I would be like a high of 62 and a low of 30 on this rainy, on this 30% chance of rain fr- Friday night or something. Well, Sherry, that's what makes you so special, man. I don't think anyone can replicate 
what you offer, what you bring to the table. We all have our pluses and our minuses. <laughs> Mine being my my expertise in picks. <laughs> Sammy, man, I'm gonna miss those NFL picks over the over the spring. I'm sure I'm going to make it up with baseball. We're going to have to compensate. Uh, do you, in your March Madness brackets, do you pick like all 16 seeds? <laughs> <laughs> no, I usually have one sleeper, though, that ends up making it to the Elite Eight or Final Always. Four. Always. You know, one a few years ago, I picked Florida, and they ended up losing in the first round. And I was – no, yeah, I picked Florida, and I was getting – talked about the whole or was it Nevada or Florida well with the Martins I think it may have been Nevada, Nevada and they lost in Nevada. the first round and I was getting slack from everybody I just could never hear the end of it how I picked Nevada to go to the final four and they lost in the round of 64 so <laughs> wasn't my uh, proudest of moments but hopefully this year my picks could be a little more spot on unlikely but hopeful yeah we're gonna get into our college basketball talk in a bit you know tons of March Madness to get into it's funny, right now, all of us have not been no, – we'll, we'll admit it. We haven't been following college basketball enough over the, over the full season. But this is the time where everyone says, you know what? I'm going to go start watching some conference tournaments, taking notes during school instead of go, um, participating in class. Sorry, teachers. I'll just admit it right in the spot. If you see me on my computer, I'm not doing your work. I'm just watching college basketball. I, I will be participating in March Madness viewing during my eighth and ninth period classes this upcoming month. I apologize to my physics teacher, Mr. Romano. In advance. Yeah, no. Shout okay. out to them. Great teachers, but we, yes. have, a pro- we have a priority set. Nothing know? against them. Nothing <laughs> against. Um, the madness takes precedent. Yes, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> going along with that, you know, we'll get into our March Minus talk in a bit. But first, we're just going to take a quick break right into our PSA, and we'll be back right after. I'm a wife, a sister, and a grandfather. I'm an office clerk. I'm a research analyst, dance fitness instructor, actor. I'm a copywriter. I'm a veteran. I have lupus, cerebral palsy. I'm blind. And I'm working in a job I love. I love. Because I was given a chance. To contribute my skills and talents. To show that my disability is only one part of who I am. Who I am. Who I am. At work, it's what people can do that matters. For more information, visit whatcanyoudocampaign.org. All right, so recently ESPN and the NHL came together to make a seven-year deal so what does this mean for the sport? And now there are going to be a thousand games on ESPN Plus. So what are your thoughts on this move and this this partnership? And what do you think this means for the NHL and their exposure? Well, first things first, this means I have to go out and get an ESPN Plus subscription now. I, I have to stop. You know, sh- um, if Kellen Raderman's listening to it, one of our friends at Phenom, he's letting me use his uh, ESPN Plus account for the past two weeks to go binge some 30 for 30. So shout out to him. I'm going to have to go buy my own account now, though, uh, to use. So that's that's number one. Number two – all right, Sammy, you got something to say? Yeah, I have a great idea. Why don't people – they buy an ESPN Plus account, right? And what is it, $4 a month? And what they do is they rent it out, let's say, to 10 people, and they charge each person $1 a month. Sammy, don't tell them our and secrets. You're making more than you pay. We'll take care of it, all right? That is Promise. a WKWZ special that stays to us. Yeah, you only will know if you listen to our show, so stay in for more <laughs> cheat codes in the future. Sammy Sherry's cheat codes. New Look segment. at the tease right there, man. Unbelievable. But more importantly, with this deal, 
the common thing is, you know, you go watch SportsCenter and they like stick in at like the 40 minute mark. They'll put in like one Barry Mel- Melrose segment of him like doing like one game. And it's like two minutes of the entire uh, show is him talking about the NHL. And it sucks because the NHL is such a fun sport and it gets no exposure. And it's not like all the teams are in Canada. It's not like they're covering the CFL or a, a league like the Premier League for, for soccer in, in Europe. I mean, this is the NHL. This is an American league outside of uh, no, a handful of Canadian teams that don't even have uh, success every year when it comes to the Stanley Cup. So this is huge for the sport. I think people cannot undervalue how big this is. And ESPN was putting out a ton of promotions over the past few days as well. I'm very excited for the prospect of this Stanley Cup games. I'm going to be really excited to see who is broadcasting those games. That's going to be an interesting headline to watch as well. So with the NHL coming back to ESPN, it's huge. It's huge. It's great for the growth of the game. I'm really excited for it. Cole, you're right. I'm probably going to have to end up getting myself an ESPN Plus account. And, and to be honest, we, I've heard so many complaints the past couple of years from fans in general, hockey fans in general. Hey, ESPN, you barely cover any hockey content. And you're right. They just stick in, you know, Barry Melrose, a repeated clip on each Sports Center show for two, not even like a minute, maybe a Barry's minute Bistro. Half. Barry yeah. Bistro, legendary <laughs> segment. We've grown up with it. But give me some more Barry Melrose. I'm excited for it. I'm hearing people calling for Steve Levy to be back in the booth for hockey games. We'll see how that goes. It's really exciting for the sport because the NHL, in my opinion, is criminally underrated and unappreciated as a sport in North America. And mainly in part because of their biggest stars are in the worst of situations right now, such as McDavid and Eichel. If they're in bigger markets, the game is going to get more attention. And with ESPN now getting the rights for games and Stanley Cup, they're going to be promoting hockey more often, which they haven't been in the past few years. So that extra promotion plus the games being on a more of a mainstream channel compared to NBCSN, I think will help the game immensely. Well, think about it. Every single sport that ESPN covers is heavily promoted by them and by cover i mean they, they broadcast them nfl they have monday Night football ufc nba ufc mlb the list goes on even soccer they have um like the italian leagues that they have on there um now the nhl gets into that mix i think the impact is going to be shown yeah we don't really talk about hockey that much on this show but i first want to address what me here said i don't know if eichel is in the high tier of the best of the best players in the league. I don't think he's on the tier of, let's say, the McDavid's or the Matthews. But when you look at it, the NHL has a guy, let's say, in Ovechkin. Yes, he's getting a little older, but he he plays in an American city, the nation's capital, nonetheless. He's very marketable. When you look at a guy like McDavid and Matthews, yes, great players, but I think it hurts the sport a bit that those neither of those guys play in an American city and in a huge American market. But... When you look at it, I think this is definitely a great deal for the NHL. They're going to start to get a lot more exposure, a lot more people talking about them, try to pry away Americans more and more from, let's say, other sports, or at least get them to get more interested in the NHL as it's a Canadian sport. They call it the National Hockey League. There are more teams in the U.S. than in Canada, but let's let's be honest. It's, it's a Canadian sport and not a U.S. sport, and they want to get to the masses in the U.S. and make it a real backbone of the U.S. sports society. 
So when you look at it, I think this is a great move for ESPN. Personally, I think they're a dying ship financially, but that's another story for another day. But I think this is a great move for the NHL, and I think it's going to bring a lot of great attractions in the future. Sammy, I love how you bring up the marketing aspect of things. It's huge for the NHL. Um, I just I don't see the NHL like potentially rising above another sport in America, as you're saying, to hopefully bring it to a different level. But I do think it will attract new fans. And once again, I think hockey is underappreciated. So this is huge for both ESPN and the NHL at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that wraps it up. Great segment on the NHL, but uh, I think that's a great transition to get into the NCAA. And oh, actually, you know what? Let's first go to the Knicks and give a little review of them. We're, they're halfway through the season. We just had the All-Star break this past weekend. And let's give a little synopsis on what we've seen. They've had an emerging breakout star in Julius Randle, and he is – taken away all our Nick fan hearts. He is just majestic in the way he plays. I mean, he goes coast to coast. I mean, he's just a phenomenal player. He he brings out the best in the Knicks and the fans of the city, all their heartbreak. Hopefully he can restore maybe getting other stars to come to the Knicks as we'll hope, and it usually never happens, but hopefully he can bring some great things to the city. So what have we liked about this season so far? For the Knicks. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with just the overall vibe of the team. My personal opinion, I always say, is that winning brings vibe and chemistry, and talent brings winning, and coaching brings winning, and all those elements. But I actually read an article. I think it was in the Post about just how the Knicks constructed their team in one year, and it's collaboration. There's Worldwide West. There's Leon Rose. There's Tibbs, but Tibbs won and he tried to make all these crappy decisions. Like he, he actually like, he wanted to trade for Rose initially. He wanted to give up Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. Oh, sorry about that. My thing just crashed. Um, He wanted to give up Barrett and Mitchell Robinson to get a veteran star. He wanted to sign a guy like Gordon Hayward in free agency, the whole thing. And Leon Rose put his foot down and said, we're not doing that and stick the coaching. And that's exactly what Tibbs has done. And he's focused on that. And look at the success. He's brought this group together. And for the first time, I feel like I can watch a Knicks team. And there's not a player on the court where I'm like, oh, my God, get this guy off the court. He's just dead, dead space on this team. I know people are going to say Payton, but he's had some good moments over the last stretch of the season. Beginning of the season, shaky. But moving on, it's been better. And now there's a healthy competition at the point guard position. When you, or I should say, the guard um, position between Rose, Quickly, Nilakina, who we're not watching the game right now, but heading up to the All Star break, was playing some really good basketball. Payton was playing well before his injury. Rivers had a few good games, and then he completely fell off a cliff. But the overall vibe and chemistry of the team—that's my favorite part, and that's what's brought the excitement. Again, they're 19 and 18. They're not—they're not world beaters, but the fact that this team plays their guts out every night. They're just very enjoyable to watch. As we're talking about the Knicks, Sherry, you have to uh, send us a message that the Knicks are down 30 to the Bucks tonight. We'll ignore that. Let us Knicks fans have our fun. Let us enjoy what's going on with this team. You bring everyone together in this city when Knicks basketball is somewhat successful. 
And I think the resurrection of Julius Randle has got to be one of the more entertaining storylines in the entire NBA for people that aren't familiar with it. All Knicks fans can attest to hating Randle to such a high extent last season. Like it was like, get off yes. my team, get off my screen now. That's why they drafted Toppin, man. That's the, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. We thought Toppin was going to take over. They, yeah, we they, talked about they, this in prior episodes, Cole. Yep. Yeah, talk about Toppin taking over. I, I don't see Toppin's upside right now it sucks because i think he can be good he just he struggled a little bit but also a guy like rj barrett you see his improvement the steps he's taken under a guy uh, a coach like tibbs this season i love to see it it's really energizing refreshing for knicks fans to see and quickly cole you talk about quickly rose peyton uh frank i'm not gonna say his last name was screwed up but uh you talk about milikina milikina all right you talk about the point guard competition it's a healthy competition indeed. You're right. At the, and it's like you trade for Derrick Rose. It's not even a healthy competition. It's like, all right, we're going to be battling for minutes, but I'm here to mentor you. Rose came and he apparently went up to Robinson. He went up to quickly and he said, I'm here to mentor you. I'm going to play basketball and I'm going to be a veteran that leads this team, but I'm also here to teach you things and you're going to be under my wing the rest of the season. A lot of things going right for the Knicks right now. Really exciting. Hope they can hold on to that uh, momentum after the all-star break. Mahir, you hit the nail right on the head there with the whole Randall situation and how he was last year compared to this year and how a year has changed things in the minds of Nick fans everywhere. But when you look at it, going back to RJ Barrett for a minute, I feel like he's a bit of an empty calorie guy and empty stats. I know we talked about this on previous episodes, but don't think he's going to be the best of team players in the future for this 16, but you're right. They're doing so many things, right? They're building and instilling a culture of success and they're hiring successful people and knowledgeable people. And that's what really matters. And they're not hiring people who just flat out are terrible at their jobs like they have previously. And the Knicks are kind of known for that, but you're right. It brings the city together when the Knicks are doing great, when just New York sports is doing great. You remember in the mid nineties, you had, the, there was a point where you had the Rangers and Knicks at the top of their game. And then in 96, the Yankees won. And it just was a great spectacle for the city. And it created, and the Giants got to the Super Bowl, I believe, in 2000 against the Ravens. So everybody just seemed like they were having a high level of productivity. And it just, it brought the city together and was great for New York baseball as the Mets also made it in 2000, but lost to the Yankees, of course. Exactly, Sam. You, you just hit it. I'm not going to say what you just say said. Say the line. Say the line. Yeah. Say the line. Hit the nail right on the I'm head. I'm not going to say the line. That's, that's Sammy's line. But you you explained it perfectly. The New York sports, how successful it was throughout the 90s. Right now also, we're seeing a resurrection. I'm not going to say the Jets and Giants. We'll see how that works out. But the rest of the New York sports teams, things are looking up. Things are exciting. It's great for the city overall, not just the Knicks. You're going to have some wild scenes in New York City once the pandemic ends, hopefully. We're going to have a bunch of parades, no matter what teams they are, and we get some life back into the uh, sports in the city. Yeah, hopefully I get to see a parade before I die at this rate. I mean, it's, Amen. There's been nothing in over what, 17 years this week. I haven't experienced one for any of my teams. But we keep mentioning Randall, but, you know, you said, you know, it's a great story, but he might not just be the guy yet. And same for Barrett. Whether you want to call him an empty uh, stats guy or not, he can still be a key piece in the team. 
I think that brings up a great question I'm going to propose right now. Sorry to take your host role for a second, but with the trade line, the trade deadline approaching, could you see the Knickerbockers going after a guy on the market? You know, Cole, I definitely can. Obi Toppin, speaking of him, I would not trade him just yet. I know Julius Randle is somewhat taken. His place in, speaking of Obi Toppin, got robbed in the dunk contest, but that's a story for another day. But when you look at it, R.J. Barrett, as I said, I'm not a huge believer in him. I would trade him in a potential package, but unfortunately, when you look at the Knicks' prior history since 2002, they just don't keep their first-round draft picks for the full length of their four years. And when you look at it, I think there was only maybe one or two guys since 2002 they've kept who was an original drafted guy by the Knicks and they kept for four years. And that's just not a very good track record, meaning they're not drafting well or just not holding the correct talent. And I mean, I wouldn't give up on all these young guys just yet. I think a star would bring great things to this Nick team, but I think the culture right now is very good. And let's say you were to trade some of these guys who are definitely helping the culture and bringing the team to success. That may hurt the culture a bit and bring it down. And you may see it on the floor. Yes, you may get better quote-unquote talent, but it may bring guys like Randall and maybe Rose or quickly down and maybe even Frank. And he's actually been playing pretty good this season as well, considering he was a bust. But when you look at it, I think a potential star, who knows? There's been talks about a Damian Lillard. I know the Knicks are okay at point guard. Uh, maybe they'll bring in a center. I know they have Mitchell Robinson, but been injured recently. But I ha- if I were the Knicks, I would try to look for a star, but be very careful what you were to give up. I agree with you, Sammy. You know, agree with potentially looking for a star. One more thing. Oh, one more thing, bring Porzingis back. Uh, bring Porzingis back. That's bold. Um, but something I want to touch on, you talk about RJ Barrett. You say you're not the biggest fan of him. I've always been a fan of Barrett and he's someone I enjoy watching play, but he does raise concerns in his, in his play. He's not always consistent. There's a bunch of questions about his future. Can he take the next step? Can he be a a consistent potential, you know, not just a role player or a solid starter. Can he be a star on this team? I'm not sure about that yet either. And for the next at the deadline, especially with the momentum that this team right now they have is carrying if they can keep it up after the all-star break and pick up right where they left off, I don't see maybe the Knicks changing things too up because you don't want to, you don't want to break apart or you don't want to fix what's not broken. Sorry about that. I think the Knicks can wait out this year if they play well in the second half and keep things together and then look into free agency rather than the trade. And I don't know who's in the free agency class this upcoming summer, but look at the free agency, see who's available. And if it's not a huge start, which the Knicks, if they continue to play well, can potentially attract those bigger stars, which would be a huge step for management, coaching, everything that the franchise is turning around. If you can't get a big star, sign some more depth. Sign some solid pieces, veteran guys that can really mesh like this team has this year. But the trade deadline, a little risky. Maybe we wait till free agency and see what happens with the Knicks. I'm not a huge fan of blockbuster trades because I always feel like you're taking a step back, take a step forward every single time you give up these assets. And for the Knicks, who have the luxury of not being a small market team, they're not the Milwaukee Bucks, they're not the Detroit Pistons, not the Utah Jazz. If they have the right culture going, they can attract free agents. I know it has not happened for such a long time, 
But now with everything kind of just taking a 180 lately, why not at least try it? At least try it this summer. There are no rush to make a trade right now. They don't need to contend in the next two years. I don't see a reason to go out and make a trade for a Zach Levine or a Lillard or anything along those lines. Booker, who has been thrown around. I don't think it's worth giving up all these assets. Again, take the step back, take the step forward. I think they should wait till this summer and see what they can do with it. What about Carl Anthony Towns? I personally think he would be a very nice fit. He'd be a great fit, but I don't think they're going to trade for him because uh, Minnesota is going to get a high pick in this upcoming draft. It could be finally the, the missing piece that they need. Maybe they attract one other guy. I don't think they're going to give him on cat just yet. I He'd may be, a- be wrong, but I think Golden State has the Timberwolves first it's round top pick. three protected, it's, I think. It's protected, and I ah, think the okay. Wolves are going to get that top three. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so never well, mind about that. But with the Knicks, a guy that, Sammy, you listed while – when I asked about the free agents that, you know, he's, it's a bit of a low risk right now. Maybe you get him on a, on a smaller contract than what he might've gone for a year or two ago. Victor Oladipo. I could see a guy like him coming into New York, taking that shooting guard role and just being a, a reliable scorer. You know, questions have been raised about him after his injury and he's not going to stay in Houston. I, I, could see him end up in New York. I've heard rumors of him going to Miami, but I feel like he'd fit in pretty well with the Knicks. Agreed, Mahir. I, again, I think you hit the nut right on the head. Don't want to use another saying, but uh, I was trying to think. And, we need more Sammyisms. Yeah, I know. I I'll, I should make a list and uh, just run them all down. In order. Oh, the, the viewers can play bingo. No, I actually saw it. This, is, this was fun. You guys are going to like this. I was on Twitter, and we're not going to get into this right now, but the whole Myers-Leonard. The um, Myers-Leonard situation. bingo board. And there was, there was a bingo. Yeah, we don't want to get into there's, that. There's an we apo- like to stay very nonpartisan. <laughs> there's, That's correct. There, well, we, we, we're, we're totally against racism. We'll, we'll say that. But there was a bingo board of, like, the generic apologies that all these athletes give when they make one of these public screw-ups. <laughs> And they were crossing them off. They read through his, his generic, uh, you know, BS apology. And they were crossing off, like, every single generic cliche he line. He, he actually almost hit bingo on the board. <laughs> it was like, you know, I apologize for my actions and, and this and that. And it was like, it was just one of those things. I have to pull it up. But, I th- again, um, I guess I'm making light out of a terrible situation. But th- those bingo boards are, <laughs> are the best when it comes to those. You know, how about another Sammyism? This isn't as good, but hit the ball in the middle of the bat. I've never heard that one before. I've never heard of it either. So, I've just came just up with it, it up. in a second. It's pretty impressive. So if I say something really good, you're gonna be like, you hit that one right in the middle of the bat. Like that? that's terrible. That does not like that? that doesn't flow off the tongue Sammy. Yeah, it doesn't that doesn't would, it's not would, as good. Would Clyde approve? Would Clyde approve? That's the most important thing. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, Probably I, I got to come up with a better one. <laughs> I, I just came up with it off the spot just now. We'll give you a week, Sherry. You better come back next week with at least 12. A list. All right. It's, it's your homework. Good. It's a real homework. homework. Virtual school, Sherry. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. Well, I think now we are ready to get into our NCAA talk. So we've seen what Gonzaga has been doing as they are currently undefeated. And the real question is, can they go undefeated? this for the rest of the season and win it all. They have been having a great season. They have a great culture there in Spokane, Washington. 
Don't forget it. Spokane, Washington, the basketball, the college basketball capital of the world. And I mean, they're just, they're, they're a winning factory. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And Gonzaga, they don't really get their due, but this year they're finally starting to get it. A few years ago, they lost the UNC, but you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what Gonzaga can do in the tournament, but what are your guys' thoughts on Dom Weave and the whole NCAA situation? Look, I watched the end of the game against BYU, and I'll say this, and I love this quote. And Sammy, I say this all the time. And here, you've probably heard me say it as well. Good teams are able to win in crappy performances, and that's exactly what Gonzaga did. Yep. They started off terribly against BYU, and mm-hmm. we've talked about this as well in the past, about how teams have struggled in all sports. We saw this in the NFL this season when they play really easy schedules. And I guess it's something that Gonzaga really can't control too much unless they want to you know, switch conferences. But again, as Sam would say, that's a story for another time. But to the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, that's that's obviously an option they can do. But still, you know, they have this inferior schedule throughout the entire year. And it's tough to make that adjustment into the big leagues when you go right into March Madness. But this, this Gonzaga team has undeniable talent. And to have their performance against BYU bounce back in the way they did emphatically, I'm going to have confidence in them when it comes to making my bracket. I'm a huge fan of Jalen Suggs. I think he is a star and will be a star in the NBA. Now, the question, Sam, you bring up, will they go undefeated? We've seen this before. We've seen it with Kentucky. We all know what happened to them losing Wisconsin in the Final Four. And we've seen teams make these runs and they never are able to finish. I would love to see Gonzaga be that team that goes undefeated, that wins it all, that becomes potentially the greatest team in college basketball based off record. But I, there's always something about March. March is so special that this undefeated story, this team, maybe they fall apart. That's what makes March so special, the potential of an upset. Will they go undefeated? I'm going to take – I'm going to say no. They won't go undefeated. Why not pick an upset? Because the big dogs always seem to fall off at some point. You make one mistake, you blink true. once, and it's over, especially in March. It's very true, Mahir, and you're right. You touched on that Kentucky team. You actually – Stole my thunder a bit. I was actually going to mention them. The last team to actually win it all, go undefeated, I believe, was Bobby Knight and Indiana. I believe it was 76, 1976. So it's been a while. But touching on Gonzaga's non-conference schedule a little bit, they beat a very good Virginia team by over 20 points back in December. And, I mean, they beat Kansas in the first game of the season. I know Kansas – Maybe wasn't the Kansas we thought they would be per se, but they were still a decent team. And I mean, again, I saw, we saw their poise against a BYU. And I remember a few years ago, I think it was against BYU when Gonzaga was undefeated, but in the conference tournament actually lost. I believe it was to BYU. It was St. Ma- um, Mary's. What was it? Is that St. Mary's? It was maybe. I think you're right, actually. It was St. Mary's, and that was their one loss. And then I believe that season they eventually lost to North Carolina. So, again, we don't know if this is a tell for their future. You're right. They never really get it done in March as much as we would hope. But this Gonzaga team feels a bit different than the previous ones before them. And I feel like they definitely have the resume to go all the way. And I think they definitely have a chance. Yeah. 
how about we talk about a, a team that's not going to be in March Madness this year that's usually a staple? Duke Blue Devils coming in now. Um, and of course, of, of course, they announced today that someone has COVID and their season's over, which is probably the least surprising thing that anyone who knows news headlines could expect. So what are your thoughts on that? With Duke overall this year, it, it was just such a wild year. And we bring up the idea, is Coach K done? Is it time for him to retire? Is it time for him to step down? Is Duke not a, a blue blood program anymore? Are they heading down south? Are they even legit anymore? Duke was just really unfortunate this year. Their recruits that were supposed to be legit didn't really form into those legit players till later in the season, such as a guy like Matthew Hurt. He didn't perform to the last stretch of the season when Duke was already 500 or worse. And Jalen Johnson opting out of the season. That doesn't help at all. It, it just seemed like a washed and unorganized season from Duke from the beginning. Like the, within the first three games, they had two cancellations. It was just wild. I don't know. Is it because of the pandemic? Do you guys think it's because of the pandemic that a team like Duke is struggling so much? I'd give him an, I'd give him another chance next year before I jump the conclusion. That's, That's just my what opinion. I'm to think. I think this Duke team there, I believe last year they didn't have the greatest of recruits as well. I mean, they had the, the high recruit guys, but they're just not really transforming in the program per se. And I believe you could put that on the coaching and coach K and his staff. And here you bring up a very good point. The Blue Devils, their reign of dominance may be over. In the past few years, even when they have made March Madness, they haven't made the noise that they had in previous years. So, I mean, I believe the last time they won is in that 2015 year, actually, when Kentucky went undefeated until they lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four, and Wisconsin eventually lost to Duke. So, with the Jalea Locafor and Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones, and that and Quinn Cook and that team. But when you look at it, I think this Duke team, they're just not translating these top recruits into top college players. And I think that's what it's really coming down to. Coach K not winning the national championship with Zion, Barrett, Reddish, and Trey Jones is should be a crime. Yes. And it I think it's part of the reason why Duke is struggling so much now. They had such a high profile team, was it 2017? That they were expected to have so much. Sherry, you what, you, what do you got? It was 2018, but yes, I mean, I honestly think I could get to the national championship <laughs> with Zion, Barrett, and uh, Tyus Jones in the Top starting five. Who knows? Maybe I could even be a player coach and be the fifth man in that lineup, and I think we could get to the national championship. But, I mean, Coach K, yeah, I feel like he's just underperforming, and uh, I think it's as simple as that. Duke's reign of dominance is over. How about I'm going to segue into something similar? I know we should focus on the Michigan Wolverines of now and the, the successful season that they had with only three losses and the you know winning the regular season championship in the Big Ten. But next year, Jawan Howard is bringing the number one recruiting class in the entire country. And as someone who watches every Michigan game, I'm very torn about that. And I'll tell you why. My memories of watching this Michigan team over the years and I know, Mihir, you're just kind of getting into like falling, falling in love with the team, and you definitely will once you commit to your own college or uh, eventually, Sammy, you as well. But watching this Michigan team pretty much since 2013 when they made the national championship run 
and they didn't lose in the finals to Louisville because apparently it actually technically never happened according to the fact that uh, Louisville's title was stripped. But um, I'm torn. Look, I'm very excited to bring in these all-American five-star recruits to Ann Arbor next year. But part of the experience of being a fan is growing with some of these players that go from freshmen to seniors and see how they progress over the years and mature as players and young adults. And I'm going to miss the element. Of course, there's still going to be a collection of kids that are going to grow from that level. But I don't know if I'm a huge fan of bringing in all these guys and sending them right to the NBA after one year, if their main priority is to come in and just get to straight to the NBA. Well, you bring up a great point there. Jawan Howard, he's done a great job coaching them up and with recruiting. I was actually going to bring up, I know you're, Obviously, we're all a little young for uh, the Fab Five as we didn't get to see them. But I was going to say with Jawan Howard, that didn't technically happen either. And they technically didn't make the Final Four either of uh, those two years either. So I'm not going to bring that up. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's been doing a great job. But again, it brings us to this point. Do the top guys, the one and tons, bring your program to success in the NCAA tournament and bring championships to the school? And the answer is maybe not. And I think a lot of coaches need to reflect on this and maybe reconsider their positions on the one and dones. Coach K for a while, remember, was against getting one and dones. But then he's like, if you can't beat them, then you got to get them. So obviously that hasn't translated into wins for him, really. So Yeah, but that's one of the beauties of March Madness. And that's I'm so excited for this to happen again. Because, I mean, again, I've never played a March Madness myself. But I know now I actually experience it as like a second-year varsity player now. My first game tonight. It's just a different experience coming with the same group of guys for a second year into that same journey. I know as cliche as it sounds, it's true. No, especially for if you're on a team that gets knocked that early in March Madness as a terrible experience. And comes back now with your whole crew motivated and knowing what it takes to win in March and win in March. It's a completely different element. I would not underestimate that aspect when you're filling out your bracket. Both of you bring up extraordinary points. You know, Cole, you relating it back to your personal varsity experiences. And Sammy, you talk about Coach K, you know, oh, if we can't beat him, let's go grab him. But and who knows all the illegal things that happen behind the scenes. Let's not get into that. But Cole bringing it back to Michigan with Juwan Howard. He's bringing the number one recruiting class. We'll obviously see what happens in this March and how he goes through the tournament. If Michigan can make it through, potentially win a national championship. But with a young coach like him handling that amount of star power next year, that could also be something to look out for. Could a young, I mean, we've all seen how poised Howard is as a coach so far in his young career, but can he, can he, you know, be accountable can he keep them under control can he meet expectations that's all going to be answered next year and it's all going to be something to look out for it's just more pressure added on to Howard as a coach young in his career Mahir you raised some phenomenal points and I think we're all in agreement that it seems like the uh the top recruits don't always translate into the greatest of wins so one more quick thought, uh, a little NFL, uh, Dak Prescott signed four years, $160 million, $126 million guaranteed. You look at it, it's a bit crazy as they could have, they squawked two years ago when Jared Goff 
got four years, $134 million, and Dak wanted to get money towards us, and Dallas laughed at him. So I bet they are kicking themselves a little now in hindsight, but that was just a quick thought. And overall, here it was great having you on the show today, and you really brought some great flavor and addition to the show. And as a new co-host, yes, a co-host, you you really bought brought some a great addition, and we we are love we loved having you, and are looking forward to you being with us in the future on Agree to Disagree on WKWZ eighty eight point five FM, Syosset, and thank you. Have a good one. At this time, WKWZ Syosset's community radio station ends its broadcast day. WKWZ operates on an assigned frequency modulated carrier wave of 88.5 MHz, channel 203, with an effective radiated power of 125 watts. WKWZ is licensed by the Federal Communications Commission with offices and studios located at 70 Southwoods Road in Syosset. WKWZ is owned and operated by the Syosset Central School District and is staffed and managed by the students and faculty of Syosset High School. Comments regarding WKWZ programming should be directed in writing to the manager, WKWZ FM, 70 Southwoods Road, Syosset, New York, 11791.